0: The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please go to www.folfcrc.com. It's good to be with you. I'm excited to look at this text with you. I feel a little out of my depth in it, Uh, so let's pray and ask for help. Our God, there are words in this passage that we can say and um, that are really shocking if we take them seriously, and, and we don't just want to take them seriously this morning. We want you to uh, embed them in us. We want this passage to happen to us. And so we ask you, God, together, right now, each one of us, we ask you that you would make this passage happen in us and to us as individuals and as a community, So help me, Lord, um, to teach this faithfully, and I pray that you would work uh, through your word like you always do. According to your will, we thank you that it never goes out vain or void, but you always do what you want. Uh, And for us, Lord, we're excited as your people for what you want to do in us. So do it now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We have been thinking the last several weeks about what we're saved to As Christians, the life God wants us to have um, in Him. The life anyone can and should have if they trust Christ. And you could say the meaning of our passage this morning is that if you're a Christian, you've been saved to change. You have been saved to change. And really that's saying it too lightly. But uh, as we think about this... uh, Change is kind of a big deal in our society, isn't it? What's every politician promising us? I am the one who can bring the change we need. We've heard that one, haven't we? Um, We're listening to candidates making promises to bring change, whether it's good or bad or the same. I don't know. Uh, On the psychological level, what are Americans hungry for? change let's go to the bookstore you're going to find uh, self-help books on how you can change and adjust yourself in a variety of ways we hear about change all the time do you ever just feel like you're on a treadmill of sameness change Um, no offense but i think we're rather foolish when it comes to the idea of change Um, and i'm including myself in this let me give you a couple things i'm thinking about here foolish towards change sometimes we think we can change others you ever tried that one? Couples dating. I've got some concerns. She's like, oh, I'm going to change him. <laughs> Sounds like you already learned that one, right? No, you're not. Uh, or how about this? Sometimes we think we can change quickly. I'm going to get this book, read it, try hard, and do it. I'm going to change. You're the same. Um, real change doesn't seem to happen that quickly most of the time here's a big one sometimes we doubt change is possible at all both for others and ourselves we doubt that change is possible at all um you ever given up hope about someone in your life you're like they can't change they won't change you get apathetic you stop trying they just can't change that's who they are i give up it's a bad place in your heart isn't it thinking of marriages a lot of times it's over can't change how about this for yourself? Look, look at my personality, look at my situation, look at my relationships. I've got all these reasons I can't change. Change is impossible for me. Our text this morning pretty much says the opposite of all of these things: that we have change wrong. Uh, in fact, most surprising, maybe, according to this text, not only is, is change possible, it's essential for the Christian. And we're not just talking about surface change. It's change on such a level as to be completely shocking. It's, it's deep transformative change. So this is just a massive, a massive issue. We're saved to change. I think we all realize change is hard. We get confused about how to see it happen. We wonder if it can happen in others. How do we honestly change? Can we really change? So let me ask you right now, do you think you can and should change as a Christian? Maybe a harder question. Do you want to change? Do you really want to be more like Jesus than you are now? Because if you do, you can have it. And it's in this passage. So I'm going to try to melt it down to three sections. We'll walk through it together. How do we get to experience the change God has for our lives? Number one, something to see. Number two, something to do. Number three, something to feel. Number one, something to see. Number two, something to do. Number three, something to feel. Let's start our first section with something to see. Something to see. Peter is saying that if we want to change, we need to see again god's ridiculous grace for us according to his promises so what do you need to see you need to see again god's ridiculous grace for you according to his promises verse 1 simon peter a sermon apostle of jesus christ to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing i want to sit on this word obtained so so what happened do you have faith in christ you trust him Okay, you find, yeah, I do, I've got faith in him. Um, how did you get that? Obtained a faith. Because faith is, faith is a big deal, right? It's really, it's really sight. You, you see with the eyes of your heart if you want God and, and his truth and his ways. How did you get that faith? This word of t- obtained, um, in the Greek it has this meaning of obtained as if by lot, You remember what lots are in the Old Testament? God ordained the priests would have their basically like dice, and they would roll them, and that's how they would know the will of God. And so by lot, what do we do? Roll it, God said this. So what are we saying? Peter is saying that if you have faith, you have faith as if by lot. Not in the sense that it was random. No, that's not it. But in the sense kind of like you won the lottery, you're at the table, you gotta roll the right number. You roll it, you won. It's in the sense of, you couldn't earn it, you couldn't deserve it, you couldn't, you couldn't get it yourself, but by the will of God, there's this sense of, I, don't, I wanna use the word fortunate, I'm, I'm not, or lucky, I'm not saying it's random, I, it's personal, God has given it to you, but it's this feeling of, oh, are you kidding me, how did I get this? God has been so good to me. I'm telling you, if you have faith, it's because God gave it to you. And that should, you, you need to see that again. I need to see that again. You take it for granted you have faith in Christ. You know, you need to be careful. Is the reason you have faith in Christ and somebody out there, they don't have faith in Christ is because you're spiritually smarter, better? Is that, is that why you have it? Why'd you wake up with faith today? You didn't lose your faith. It's God's grace that gave you faith. Obtained as if by law. Do you, do you realize how, how fortunate you are? How, how blessed you are to receive that kind of grace from God? It's by his grace that you have faith. How did you get it? You've obtained it by the grace of God, as a gift of God. And look at the quality of Faith. To those who have obtained a faith, and then what does Peter say? Of equal standing with ours. Sometimes I look at my faith and I'm like, Do you ever look at your faith and it's a little kind of pitiful feeling? Kind of wormy? Kind of, kind of withered? It's not like pulsating with strength all the time? Anybody else like that? And Peter says, the, the faith you've obtained, it's, uh, other translations have it's just as precious as ours. And who's talking again? Peter, Is he, who's he who's that guy? An apostle. kind of a big deal. A leader wrote some of scripture, um, led the early church. You know if you have faith in Christ, it has the same power, uh, the same beauty. The same opportunities as the faith of Simon Peter himself. It's full-on grade-A faith. You know, we could feel like we're like second-handers. There's the big, powerful Christian people with varsity faith, and we're like uh, not-so-second-hand faith. No, God has given you, if you're a believer, God has given you Straight up, awesome faith. It has just as much, you have just as much of a connection and, and availability to God and all that he is as Peter himself. Is that kind of cool? And it was a gift, a gift of grace. God gives you faith. How could God give faith to somebody like me who's rebelled against him so many times, ruined it so many times? Well, look at this. You've obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by, by what? The righteousness of, he doesn't say by your righteousness. You didn't get faith by how righteous you are. Whose righteousness got you faith? The righteousness of Jesus Christ. This is blowing my mind. Uh, what's righteousness? That's God's character, right? That's what he loves. That's what he's like. Uh, if you want to know details, read the law. The law gives you a description of the righteous life. So 10 commandments, that'd be righteous, right? Or Jesus sums it up, two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all you are. Love your neighbor as yourself. That'd be righteous, wouldn't it? Inform a poll. How many of you are righteous in what you've done? How did you, being unrighteous, you don't like God, you don't want him, how did you get faith? You got it by the righteousness of someone else. He kept the law perfectly, right? He fulfilled it. He fulfilled the law. He did that as our representative. He paid the price for our breaking the law on the cross. So God poured out all his wrath towards my sin on Jesus. And Jesus in his resurrection, he Earned your faith. He bought your faith. You have obtained, as a gift of God, faith. As good as any apostle had faith, by the work and merit of Jesus Christ himself. Aren't you, aren't you really happy that you have faith? Aren't you, aren't you, are you thankful? He just gave this to you at his own obedience at his own blood he bought you faith and we're seeing the amazing grace of God for us according to his word so God gave you faith right are you convinced the father ordained it Jesus bought it the spirit applied it and what does your faith get you now look at verse 2 may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord Uh, what's grace? Yeah, lavish undeserved love, blessing in Christ. Grace, you like that? More forgiveness, more love, more blessing, more mercy for you. Grace. And what's peace? Peace is really like a sense of wholeness or health or tranquility. It's this, it's this sense that everything's okay. I got God. Everything's okay. Even if my circumstances aren't. I'm okay. I'm going to be okay. I got God. Grace and peace be what? multiplied what's that communicating there's always more of it it's coming in bigger bigger numbers it's exponentially growing you're never going to run out of this there's always going to be more grace for you you got faith in Jesus there's always going to be more grace for you there's always going to be more peace all that you need where may grace and peace be multiplied for you in the knowledge of God do you know what knowledge is? There's different kinds of knowledge, right? There's, there's factual knowledge, which is important, essential. There's relational knowledge. There's experiential knowledge. When the Bible talks about knowledge, it's taste and see that the Lord is good. Do you know he's good? Not just like you could fill out a survey. Yes, I agree, he's good. But like you, you know, he's good. Faith that God has given you Opens you up to a knowledge of God, and in that knowledge, God's grace and His peace are multiplied to you all the time. God gave you faith; faith gets you God. You get to know Him. God forbid we ever get bored with this. Um, God forbid, are you are you bored of knowing God? We might not know Him if we're bored. Is this not the great adventure, the great journey, to know our God? And he's made it available. Who, who gave you faith so that you could see him and know him? He did. Jesus died for it. God gave you faith. Faith gets you God. You get to know him. You get to see him. And now look at verse 3. God gave you faith. Faith gets you God. And God gives you everything you need through his promises. Isn't verse 3 shocking his divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So let's walk that. Walk through that. What kind of power? Divine power. So lot or a little? A lot. And his divine power is granted to us. How many things? All things. So skimpy or generous. Do you believe this? His divine power, so full-on effective power, right? Does God's power do stuff? Does it get stuff done? What do you think? Yeah. His divine power has given you all things. So is he holding back from you? He's like, ah, oh, you just get a you get a little bit, but no more. Is that what he's doing, or is he giving you everything, full-on everything? His divine power, which is effective, it's strong, is giving you everything you need for what. Life and godliness. Life is this internal quality of new life in God, right? You've been awakened. You were dead in your sin. Now you're alive in Christ. You have the spirit of life. You're alive. And godliness is the lifestyle that comes out of that new life. How you think, how you feel, what you want, what you say, how you live. God has given you everything you need with his divine power, all things to be for life and godliness. Now this is both confronting and encouraging. Do you hear how this is both confronting and encouraging? What's confronting about it? I can't change. (laughs) And what's Peter saying? Yeah, you can. But I've got all these excuses. Divine power has given you all things for life and godliness. What just happened to all your excuses? It's confronting. It's confronting. Do you hear the voice of God here? Does he mean you to change? Does he mean you to change? I've given you everything with all my strength that you need wow and that's why it's encouraging listen we can we can be more like Jesus we can change but how how does this happen verse 3 his divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through what the knowledge of him now we already have this by faith right So through this knowledge, as you grow in knowing him more and more, you can change. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Again, we're we're looking at God's ridiculous grace for us. He gave us faith. And he's called us to his own glory and excellence. So get an idea of what you think of God's glory and excellence real quick in your brain. And then get an idea of God saying, you, you, you trust in me, come on in. I want you to have it. I want you to see it. I'm calling you to this. I'm calling you to come see, soak in my glory, my excellence. He's called you to it. See me, be like me. I'm giving you what you need. And this is really what we need. Verse four, he's called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us what precious and very great promises so in god's glory and excellence he's given us something what is it promises and what what words define these promises what are these promises like they're precious and they're very great What's one promise God's given you? God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him won't perish or have eternal life. Isn't that a promise? I promise you, God says, if you trust my son, no wrath for you, eternal life. Is that precious? Is it very great? What does faith do with a promise? It holds it. It holds it. It believes it. It embraces it. He's granted it to us precious and very great promises. Cast your eyes if you're in 2 Peter 1. Look down again at, at verse 19. We saw this a couple weeks ago. 2 Peter 1:19. We have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you'll do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Until Jesus comes back, Pay attention to the word, verse 20, knowing first of all that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, verse 21, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by whom? The Holy Spirit. So what we're saying here is the Holy Spirit wrote you a book of precious promises. What book is that, by the way, just to be clear? the Bible, it's Holy Spirit-inspired book of precious promises. And back into verses three and four, do you see what he's saying? He's called you to his glorious excellence, his glory and excellence, and by that excellence, he's granted to you precious and great promises. So there's these promises. Now look at this. So that through them, through what? Through the promises because remember, God gave you faith to see. Faith, faith to see. And through the promises, you may become, become what? Partakers of the divine nature. Now we're just like, oh, come on. Come on. Chew on that. Partakers, what does it mean, partake? The word is, is koinonia. You've heard that, right? It's, it's fellowship, it's sharing. Come on, you can share. What can we share? The divine, divine, divine God. Share God's nature, his character. He's, he's calling you to his glory and excellence so that you can share his character. Our jaws are, should all be hitting the ground. You can share his character. That's what he's calling you to. You see what I mean? It's it's not enough to say you're saved to change. You've been saved to share the divine nature. How? Through the promises. It's through the promises. You meditate on these promises. Remember we said in the past, C.S. Lewis example, right, of of the beam of light in the tool shed. You can, look, you can look at the beam. Think of scripture like that. You, can, you study it, you look at it. Yes, that's important, you gotta do it. But faith does more than that. Faith looks through it. You look up through it, you see the blue sky. You study scripture, you understand it, but then you look through scripture with faith to meet the one who's talking to you. To meet him, to know him. Faith in God's promises is relational. It's a connection to God, you know him. The one who's calling you to himself and as you see him and as you know him, you become like him. And that's his entire plan. And it, and it works because it's his divine power giving you everything you need so that you can know him and be godly. Everything you need. I had a friend at a class this week who, uh, he confronted me and um, we, we disagreed a lot of, we, on a lot of doctrinal things. And he tends towards like a perfectionism. You heard that? A, me, a Methodist version of perfectionism where, where he thinks you can get to a place where you just don't sin anymore. I'm too cynical for this. I don't know. But he did say, why are you always talking about yourself like a sinner? Oh, we're just sinners. We can't make it. Oh, no, I'm just a sinner. I was really listening to him. On one side of the coin, right, um, it's easy to be so self-righteous, you think, oh, we've made it. And what we need a deep humility remembering that even right now, today, we're sinners. We still sin. And yet, verses like, uh, we looked at it last week, Romans 6, 11, I think. Consider yourself, what, dead to sin. Is that true or is that false? Are you dead to sin? Not in a sense that everything you do is perfect all the time. No, that's heaven, okay? Need some, we need some thought here. But are you dead to sin in the sense that you don't have to sin? Are you alive to righteousness? And he said, you, you reform people, you should talk about this more. And after a while I'm like, you're right. And 2 Peter 1 is showing me this, right? I've given you Everything you need by my power, all things for godliness. Amazing, through His promises, partake in the divine nature, escape the corruption that's in the world. So, first point: How do we change? We got to see God's ridiculous grace for us in the scriptures. What, is we, what have we seen? You've you've been given faith. Through the work of Jesus Christ, that's grace. Now you can see God and know him. As you know him by faith, grace and peace are multiplied to you. Through his promises written by the Holy Spirit, through these promises, God is calling you to his glory and his excellence so that you can share his nature. And it's all a gift of grace. Who's active in this? Who's, who's done the work? God has. What part of this do you earn or merit or demand from God? None, right? Are you catching this? It's all a gift. Do you as a Christian have this? Is this yours? Okay. And it's by it's already there. It's yours. As a gift of grace. You gotta see this. His ridiculous grace and his promises. So to change, you gotta see it. Then you gotta do something. Then you gotta do something. So we gotta keep it in our minds. Now that you have this ridiculous grace, do something. So just be real careful. We're not saying do something so you can get this grace. No, no, no. Now that you have this grace, do something. But we're not saying now that you have this grace, let go and let God. (laughs) That's not what this is saying. Look at verse 5. For this reason. What reason? He's going to share his character with us by grace through his promises. For this reason. Read those next three words with me. Make every effort. Okay, what does that mean? Make every effort. Every effort, effort, work, try. Which effort? Every effort. Do everything you possibly can. Uh, One scholar says it has the idea of investment. Invest everything you've got. I think that's a helpful idea because it means you already have, like, some wealth, if you will. The wealth of what God has given you in his grace. Because he's given you so much, invest it. Use it. To do what? We're going to get this list of eight qualities, and I am going to walk through them briefly, each one. As we get there, uh, just big picture things to see. Number one, make every effort to have these things, right? So which one of these things should you make every effort to have? All of them, okay? There does seem to be an ascending order of some way, but I don't want you to think you make it to one level, like in a video game, you know, and then, oh, I got that one. Now let's move on to the next level. I don't think it's quite like that. I think it's more you're kind of doing it all at the same time. And I don't want you to think that you don't have to work on, like, level eight until you get level four done. You know what I mean? So the last one's going to be love. And we don't need to be like, I'm still working on self-control. I don't need to love anybody because, you know, I'm not, I haven't leveled up yet. That's not the way we're supposed to see this. We're human beings. We're, we're holistic beings. There is a sense of progression, but this is, we should be making every effort towards all of these all the time. Does that make sense? Okay, let's begin. Make every effort to supplement your faith. What's faith? What's faith? Read Hebrews 11 on your own this week. Read Hebrews 11 about faith and see how it's this risky trust in God's promises. Abraham's a great example. Hey, Abraham, go. Leave everybody and go. And God's kind of frustrating, right? Because, I don't know, if you're Abraham, what's the question you're asking next? Where? And God's like, the land I'll show you. Well, where's that? I want to know more. Oh, and you're gonna have a child. What's your question you're Abraham? When? Uh, I'll tell you later. <laughs> Go, trust me. There's a lot more you wanted to know. How's it gonna work out? How's it gonna play out? Well, you don't get to know that. Trust me, what's faith do? It's a risky trust in the promises. Make every effort to build up your faith. Looking at God's promises, trusting Him, trusting Him. That's what we're doing right now, right? We're looking at God's promise. I want to trust this. I want to believe this. I want to act on it. A risky trust in God's promises. You're up in the tree. You're scared of what to do. Your Father in heaven says, Jump, I'll catch you. There's a risk. You got to let go of the branch. You got to obey. You got to believe. You got to put it into practice. Right, this plays out. You're learning. you to tithe. You want to give your money to a local church or to other or missionaries or justice issues, and you're like, I don't know if it's going to work. But God says, "Do it. He'll provide for me." And so, this is a risk. We all know that anybody who's done this knows this is a risk. And then, for for so many of you who have made this a discipline, does God come through, or does He not? He does. Trust him. And it's like this in, in every in every way. Trust his promises. Make every effort to add to your faith, supplement your faith with what? What's the next one? Virtue. Virtue. In the Greek, this word is the same word. Remember, God has called us to his glory and excellence. That word excellence. This is the same word virtue as the one excellence up on top. So it really means like a moral excellence the excellence of his character. So now that you see God, you're trusting his promises, what else do you wanna make every effort to add to? Your virtue or your moral character. Now how do you do that? Look with me at this passage, Ephesians four. Starting in verse 29. Will you read this with me, 29 to 32? We're going to read it. As you read it, think about God's moral excellence and his virtue that we want to make every effort to add. Here's an example. Marcus said, Go. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. That is the top of the ethical mountain. Imagine. Imagine if we could be like that more excellently, more consistently. Wouldn't that just be incredible to live that out more in all our relationships? Do you see his excellence in in talking? Nothing to corrupt or corrode someone. Gosh, I'm guilty of that. But only the things that build up and it fits the moment that you could give grace. That's moral excellence in what you think and what you say. Verse 30, you don't want to grieve the Spirit. You want to please Him with what you're doing all the time. You're aware of His presence with you. Verse 31, you're done with bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander. We, have, we, we all have that lurking within us. And then we're kind and forgiving to one another. That's moral excellence. It's the excellence of Jesus. What effort should you make to have more of this? Every effort. Trust God and His promises make every effort to add to your faith virtue. To your virtue, what's the next one? Knowledge. Knowledge here means just a, a, more, uh, a more depth on knowing His will. What's the heart of God? What does he like? What does he love? What does he want? It's a, it's a wisdom kind of knowledge. You're, so, you're familiar with God and his character and his word, and so it comes, it comes out of you more naturally in how you look at life. Make every effort to be wise in the knowledge of God. By the way, where are we looking for all three of these things so far? Faith, gripping his promises, trusting him, uh, moral excellence, knowledge. Where do you have to go for each one of these? You gotta be in the Bible. Your brain's in the Bible. Your heart's in the Bible. You're meditating on the Bible. You're memorizing the Bible. You're you're looking through the beam of Scripture by faith into the face of God. Knowledge, what's next? Self-control. Make every effort to add self-control. So this seems to have built a little bit. You're trusting God's promises. You're building moral excellence. You're building your knowledge. So now that you know what to do, self-control. Keep doing it. And the root of this word has the idea of strength in it. Does self-control take strength? Yeah. why have we all failed in our diet plans? I'm weak. I see the donut. I can't stop. I'm weak. Look at this text from Proverbs 16.32. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules a spirit than he who takes a city. The world is full of blustering, angry people who are saying, this is what it means to be strong. Flexing your anger is not strength. It's weakness. Whoever is, what? Slow to anger is better than the mighty. So this, he's saying that strength and he who rules his spirit more impressive than the one who conquers a whole city. Our our world doesn't know what to value. Our, Our world doesn't see what strength is. Self-control, now that's strength, to where you can control even your anger. You get angry when you're driving around. You get angry when you watch TV. You get angry when you're talking with people. You feel anger rising up within you. Can you control yourself? Can you control what you feel, what you think, what you say? It takes strength. It's hard to do. Make, what, every effort to have self-control. And remember, in Timothy, right, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. And of self-control. God has given you by his divine power, right, everything you need for life and godliness. Can you be self-controlled on your own, in your own strength? (laughs) Nada, not happening. But you have the spirit through his promises, you have the knowledge of God. Is that enough to build in you self-control? Is that enough? How do the promises of God help you diffuse your anger? That's a big one. Press into that. Press into that. When you're angry, you're looking for something, you're needing something, and you're, you're almost panicking that you're not getting it. You wanted Respect. You wanted consideration, you wanted attention, you wanted something and you didn't get it and there's a, there a panic moment, fight or flight, I'm angry and, and you're going to take it out somehow, right? That's what's happening in our anger. You gotta look, we got to look into our anger. How can the promises of God diffuse this first thing going on? Uh, I need somebody to respect me. He doesn't. Okay, who, who are you? remember remember Uh, are you loved are you loved okay are you valued is there somebody out there who values you God himself has valued you God himself has named you Uh, daughter son you've been adopted in Jesus Christ Uh, are you gonna are you gonna get what you need in the end we saw last week in Romans 8 right you're gonna inherit do you remember what you're gonna inherit the world okay are you gonna get what you need in the end is God watching out for you? Is he working everything for your good right now? Yeah. Okay, yes. Do you, have to, do you have to get crazy fighting for your rights right now? Do you have to do that? You've got what you need. You have what you need. If you're following the path of Christ, was he ever disrespected? Was, was he ever shamed, slandered? Was, was he ever mistreated? Did he go Did he go silently? Did he go humbly before the Father, trusting his Father was in control? Can you be like him now that you have his spirit? See, the the promises of God, if we grabbed them, this is real self control. Through the promises of God, he's calling us to his glory and excellence with all his power, giving us everything we need. Hang on to these promises, make every effort, faith, virtue, knowledge, self control. What's the next one? Steadfastness. So you're working at this, you keep going. You're in the word, you're working. You're in community, you're working. Hard times hit big. Hard times hit. Something in a relationship, something physical, something financial, hard times hit. What do you wanna do when the hard times hit? I know what I wanna do when the hard times hit, right? Hard times are an excuse for a self-pity vacation. And it's kind of funny, we say it, but it's not funny when you feel it. It's that. I was trying, and you just, you don't have anything. You're empty. You're tired. And it, there is a little self pity, but it, it hurts. And you want to quit. Especially, you want to quit making every effort that you were before to grow in godliness. Hard times. I wanna quit, and this says make every effort to add to your faith, right, your virtue, your knowledge, your self-control, steadfastness. Hard times come, I don't quit. Hard times come, I don't quit. I might be discouraged, I might be sad, I might be lonely, but I'm not quitting. I'm, I'm still looking at those promises. I'm still getting with God's people. I'm not quitting, I'm gonna keep going. His steadfast love endures forever, I'm going to keep going in that steadfast love. Isn't that powerful? That's transformation. You keep going through hard times, you'll be different at the end. Keep going. I want to say here, we need to realize change is gradual. God's telling us to change, right? But he's telling us even in this passage, change is gradual. He's going to say later, make sure these qualities are increasing. It doesn't mean you're like, oh, I have them all. No, it's gradual. Later he's gonna say, practicing? Why do you need to practice? Well, because you're not very good at first. (laughs) You gotta keep going. It's gradual. We need this for grace for ourselves and for others. Change is real, we're saying that. And change is gradual. Tim Keller says, we overestimate what we can do in a year and underestimate what we can do in five. I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. You're going to go home and be like, oh, I'm going to change. This week, I'm changing everything. A lot of things could be changed in five years, keeping at it. He brought up the illustration between an acorn and a cement sidewalk. Okay, If we want change right away, who wins, the sidewalk or the acorn? The sidewalk, the acorn gets mushed. Do you let that acorn grow a little bit. You give it some time. You let it develop. Get some roots under there. Who's going down? The sidewalk, okay? What does Psalm 1 compare you to as you meditate on God's word? You'll be like a tree. The thing doesn't just go, keep at it. Make every effort, make every effort, make every effort. You're different. Steadfastness. Next one's godliness. A life that comes from a heart of worship. This word has a, a heart of, of loving God, of desiring God in it and the lifestyle that comes out of it. I think of things like this: When we pray, pray. When we sing, well, why do we sing at church? Are we into musical, you know musicals? Uh, maybe you like musicals. That's great. What, what are we doing? Do you realize God commands us to sing? And then he says, sing with your whole heart. He doesn't just want, like, he wants all you've got when you sing, heart speaking. Is that godliness? It just is in the sense of, it's the attitude of worship expressed. It should be in everything. When we hear his word, oh, this is his word. When we're with his people, oh, these are his people. You see what I'm saying? You're feeling it, and it's real, a heart for God. Number seven. Make every effort to add brotherly affection. That's a genuine just warmth and goodness to each other. Church should be like a healthy family reunion. I'm, God, I'm God's child, you're God's child, and we're glad to be together. Isn't it great that this is on this um, character transformation thing? You're looking at God's promise, you're going to have a warmth for one another. Isn't that one thing you love about this church? Brotherly affection. Make every effort to add and to keep Brotherly affection. The last one, finally, love. And really this emphasizes the sacrificial love, the love of Christ giving himself up for others, even to love our, what's your least favorite command in the Bible? Love your, your enemies. We still are like, he's got to be kidding. He's got to be kidding. Love your enemies, Love. We've got this list, eight qualities, all important all the time, there is a sense of progression. Um, We see the ridiculous grace of God for us in his promises, see his grace, and then what do we do? Make every effort to keep grabbing those promises by faith, and grow in, et cetera, these qualities. See something, do something, feel something. Here's what I think Peter's saying we need to feel. Look at verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. One of my problems in my heart is I've, I've seen in myself a need for significance that I've made a difference. Maybe you've, you can see that in yourself or, or something like it. And, and based on so many different categories, you can think, nope, I failed. Nope, I failed. Nope, I failed. And one thing that struck me so wonderful in this passage is, for if these qualities are yours and, they, and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful. What does God consider a success in your life? Oh, you've, you've got thoughts going through your heart. If I only had this, I'd finally be... Be like him in your character. You're effective. You're fruitful. Faith in the Lord. Self-control, steadfastness, the knowledge of God, virtue. That's, that's being effective. You know, the other side is this, this word that underneath ineffective, it means useless or unproductive. Uh, in secular Greek, it's meant to be um, like you're unemployed, but you're not even trying to work. It's a sense that you're idle. You're just not doing anything. And so in, the, in verse 8, Peter's saying, if you're not making every effort to, to grab this godliness, it's like you're just bored with the knowledge of God. You're unaffected. You're, you're not even trying. God has revealed himself, and you're like, Neh. And do, do you feel that? Do you, do you want that? to be so disconnected unimpressed with God that you're just like mm-hmm, apathetic about it. We see that in so many Christian lives, don't we? we? Seem totally unmoved. So we need to feel, no, I I want to be fruitful to the Lord. Another thing we feel, verse 9. Whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted he's blind having forgotten you're not making every effort you just, you got tunnel vision. What are you looking at? I don't know. Stuff of the world. You forgot something. What'd you forget, according to Peter? You forgot Jesus died for you. You forgot the gospel. You just forgot. Do you remember the power of the cross for you? Do you remember you were lost, you were rebellious, and Jesus at his mercy gave himself up for you? Do you see his grace again? Do you see his love? If you see that love, it's gonna, if you feel that, you're going to want to pursue him. You're going to want to make every effort. If you're called to it, if you're bored by it, you, you won't. Right? Peter's saying, remember, remember, see the gospel. Feel, feel the truth. Jesus died for you. Number three, verse 10. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. He wants us to prove something here, Right? Be diligent to prove something. What are we proving? Confirming? Calling an election, is that weird to you? What's, What's calling? Who did that? That's God saying, I want you. Election, what's that? That's God saying, I chose you. Do you earn that? Do you do that? No way, that's grace, right? That's in his hands. Do you prove it? Do you confirm it? Do you show that it's real? How do you show it's real? Verse 10, if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. There's a fear of God here. And a desire to, to be who he's made you to be, that's going to motivate you to practice. Again, it's gradual. it's practice. It's not, you don't get it all at once, you don't get it perfectly, but, but, you're, but you're after it. Do, do you feel a desire to be fruitful, the power of the gospel for you, wanting to confirm that his work in you is real? Finally, one more thing to feel, verse 11. In this way, in what way? Well. Let's sum it all up. You see the ridiculous grace of God for you and his promises, and you're making every effort to add these qualities to your life, and you're practicing them, verse 11, in this way there will be richly provided for you. So again, don't get the idea you're working and scrapping and hoping to make it. Who's providing for you a way? God is providing for you a rich way into his eternal kingdom. So he put the road down. He's given you all the grace that you need and he's saying, invest, make every effort, go after it and I've paved the road to you for you to reach the kingdom. And there at the end is Jesus Christ looking you in the face. What do you want him to say? What do you want to hear? Well done, my good and faithful servant. This is the road paved for you through faith in the precious promises. See Him, hang on, and make every effort not to create something, not to earn something, but to invest the grace God has already poured out on you. Practice these things, and the entrance to His kingdom is provided. We're saved to change to the point of sharing the divine nature so because God has shown you so much grace through faith in his promises, it's his grace, make every effort to grow in that grace. Knowing, feeling, it's worth it. I'm going to pray, and then um, as we take up our offering, i got one more section in your notes there. I want you to ask God what one, right, we, said, we saw in our text, make every effort. What's one effort he's calling you to? What's one effort? You saw faith, you saw virtue, you saw knowledge, you saw godliness, self-control, steadfastness. Ask him, ask him to show you, hey, this is, where, this is where we need to make every effort right here. And think upon his promises, his great and precious promises, that, that through those, what is that promise you need that gives you his divine power? to live out that godliness. Let's pray. Father, you've given us everything we need. It's almost hard to believe. We thank you, we thank you. We believe, help our unbelief. Uh, we put our faith in your precious promises and we ask you God to, uh, to build in us this divine nature. Let us be more like you, oh God, in, in, what, in how we see the world and how we feel and what we do. Uh, Lord, impress us so much with the grace you've given us in Christ. Even our faith is a, is a gift from your hand through the, through the death and resurrection of Christ. And as we, you've given us all we need, Lord, let us invest it, making every effort uh, to grow in our character, to grow to be like you, the one who saved us. Um, Lord, we pray that we would feel again the power of the gospel, desire to be fruitful, Lord, and that we would see Over time, change.